Hello and welcome to, to the Morning Round Podcast. My name is Blake Bettner. Uh, I'm in studio today with Zach Kazan right in front of me, no longer in Concord. Zach, welcome to New York. Thanks. Yeah, no, not in Concord at the moment, but we'll be in a matter of hours. In, in a matter fact. of hours. That's yeah. right. We're getting a quick podcast before you take off. Do you have any cats or dogs or anything like that? Oh, God, no. Mice, fish, no, I can, snakes. I, it's, it's enough work taking care of myself, man. Uh, I, don't, okay. I don't have a... Yeah. Snakes. Yeah. Do people have pet? I guess people they do have, have pet snakes. snakes. Yeah. I guess. Do I seem like a person who keeps snakes to you? Well, <laughs> you've surprised me in some ways before. So, yeah, fair you know, enough. That you're, that you're, uh, you're an avid golfer? Avid is really pushing it. A okay. one-time avid golfer. Can I call you a scratch golfer? Absolutely not. Okay. That would be that would be a, okay. that would be a lie. It'd be a bald face lie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Not, but a golfer at least. Occasionally. Uh, so. Yeah. Less and less every year. But I I, I aspire, I guess, to to yeah. golf more. Maybe every year, actually, around springtime, mm-hmm. around this time of year, when the weather starts to turn a little bit, I think this is the year. This is the year I'm going to get back into golf. At least get out to the driving range. Yeah, and I usually I do get out to the driving range, yeah. and I have a miserable experience because I'm no longer any good. Yeah, and uh, and that that puts that puts an end to that. Golf is one of those things that I feel like you have to keep consistently doing it to keep that like muscle memory of. It's the tough swing. in the Northeast because I mean, at least when I was playing a lot, like you, re- there really were no options in the winter. Like now they have like indoor golf everywhere, and you can like really keep your game up if you're serious about it. But. Yeah, like you have mm. to take you know winters off when there's snow on the ground. You yeah. can't really get out and play. So. I, uh, I I used to, I've golfed a few times when I was younger, uh, but I swing like a baseball bat left-handed, and I only ever like golfed with right-handed clubs. And I didn't know if that like messed with my. Yeah, so I'm I'm a lefty. I, uh, I I write left-handed, and like okay. I, would, I would throw a baseball left-handed, but I swing a baseball bat and golf uh, righty. So really very strange. All right. Yeah. Well, this is now a golf. I don't know. Podcast, what, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Well, I'm certainly not qualified to to talk about, about golf uh, uh, beyond that. Um, you know, 18 holes, um, a driver. Those are things. That's that are associated uh, you know. With that's golf, my yeah. Uh, yeah, Tiger Woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Golf. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You've, you've covered all the highlights. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there's my. There's my knowledge. Uh, Zach, what do you got on your wrist today? Uh, I'm wearing a new watch, a uh, new acquisition. It's the uh, Louis Arard, uh collaboration with Atelier Wee, which I believe is the correct pronunciation that they did um, a few years ago. This is a limited edition, uh, part of their uh, LE Regulator series. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. And if I've like ever talked to you about watches, I've probably mentioned this watch. I've kind of been a little bit obsessed with it since it came out. I've just always been a fan of the dial and the, the design very unique it has this uh a dial with no numerals uh it's just these like striated lines that form this kind of like fan around the dial um very unique very artistic uh the the collaborator here atelier we is a uh, it's an architecture firm mm-hmm. and you go to their website and you just like immediately understand like where this watch kind of came from lots of like uh you know lots of Modern designs, very uh, you know, like kind of severe geometry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very cool. I I, I love it. It plays with light in this really insane way. It's it's nice. It's a very interesting watch. W- had you seen one in person before, or was I, this like a stab in the like? This I is like it. Kind of a stab in the dark. I had okay. seen um, I had seen some uh, some good uh, kind of like in real life photos uh, of the watch, um, but I had never actually seen it in person. Uh, very impressive. Uh, yeah. 
in, in the metal, I have to say. Yeah, it looks very cool. So we got a couple of these floating around now. Zach has uh, a different, another one of their collaboration yep. uh, regulators, which is maybe the opposite end of the spectrum. Very different, uh, yeah. Of that one, but both like very cool in their own right. This is the Silverstein uh, collaboration, which is titanium, I think, and it has a Velcro strap yep. and uh, different colors. Uh, so it's 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 fun to see like just conceptually how different they can take this watch um, within both of these. Of course, the case is very different as well. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. the case on this one is, uh, so Zach's is a totally different shape and, and titanium. This is stainless steel case. It's 42 millimeters, which is maybe like the thing about the watch that I'm the least excited about. I, mm-hmm. I've kind of gotten used to wearing watches in like a 39 to 41 millimeter uh, range. And this is all dial and it wears larger, I would say, than 42 mm-hmm. millimeters. But um I just really enjoyed looking at it. So, I'm, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be, uh, you know, an everyday piece. I don't think uh, it's a little too weird. I think for me to wear every day, but uh, it's beautiful. It's uh, I love looking at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have I have two watches on it today. Yeah, you're double wristing. Double today. wristing. It's uh, which I've done a time or two. I've got uh, um, I, while my right wrist where I normally wear my watches. Um, deal with it, people out there. We get a lot of strange, nasty comments about. I'm also a right right wristed watch yeah. wears. One guy I think left on a, on a YouTube was like, "I never trust somebody that wears a watch on the right wrist." Just, just skirting over the whole percentage, whatever it is, of the population <laughs> that uh, ambidextrous, uh, yeah. that is uh, left-handed, or, or whatever it is. So, you know, I mean, I don't know it, what this is about that that sets some people off. I, I yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it feels very unnatural for me to wear my watch on my left wrist because yeah. I'm left-handed. So. Well, me, for me, like, I don't know what it is, but I have some ambidextry, uh, as I just explained, with with a few things that I do yeah. kind of in, in both hands or, or one or the other. Uh, but the, the, like, bone structure over in this one, it uh, watches never sat uh, well on, mm. on my left wrist. And I've got pictures of me as, like, a kid with, like, a G-Shock on from, like, the 80s on wearing wearing it on my right wrist. So it's, like, something that I've clearly always done and just always felt comfortable doing. So. Whatever. I shouldn't have to explain myself. No, oh, right. Wear wear your watch wherever you want to wear it. Yeah. This if somebody doesn't a, want to trust me because I'm wearing because I'm wearing a watch on my right wrist, they don't have to. You know. No, I mean, that's, that's okay. fine. Yeah. If that's what you're gonna go by, that's you know. It's a weird kind of parameter to, to uh, judge people by. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. With I that. agree. Uh, so, anyways, the watch the watch itself is a DMH Jump Hour watch, a Fred Dingamus build. Uh, with a white dial and kind of exposed, ex- exposed, exposed black discs uh, here uh, on a green beige uh, strap, which I'm quite fond of. Um, I picked this up at our wind up watch fair in New York last year from uh, our friend Eric Wind. Um, I had one many, many years ago and uh, rotated it out of the collection, unfortunately, and I had never seen one since. Um, so when he brought this out on the table, it was kind of an instant. Yeah. Oh, I I need to buy that because they're not exactly watches you see very often, or yeah, that you can just rare. like reach out and buy. So, uh, so I was thrilled to, to get one of these back in my um, in my collection. Uh, and the watch on my left wrist, I'm wearing. I don't wear this watch very often, and I thought I'd wear it because of something we could talk about a little bit on the podcast today, uh, which is an Omega Moon swatch. Omega a what? Omega X. What's the swatch group? Yeah. Moon Swatch. Moon Swatch. Oh, never, yes. Never heard of that. Yeah. We'll do some quick research yeah. on yeah. Moon Swatch. It's a thing. So this is the uh, Mars mission to Mars, and it's got uh, so it's got the red case, and I just got these new straps for it because Ricardo has 
He's got a couple of these, and he's got these ridiculous rubber straps on that are like these digital camo rubber yeah. integrated things uh, from a place called Perpetual Straps, uh, I think is what they're called. So I saw his, and I was like, oh, well, that's a lot of fun. I never wear mine uh, because of the strap situation, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to give one of those a try. And so I have this red digital camo thing on here that looks also kind of ridiculous. Um, I but- it looks cool. It, I mean – so did they did digital camo? Maybe you. I don't know if you know this. Did they did create that strap specifically for the moon swatch? I, I imagine that might have become a cottage industry yeah. over the course of the last year. With I, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like the perpetual straps. I went there and it was all like stuff like this that uh-huh. was for the moon swatch. So they have different the color schemes to match all of the moon swatches. Okay, so they're so, clear, they're leaning into the yes. fact that their, their straps fit the moon swatch at the very least. They fit it very well though, and, and there's like kind of a. Uh, like nestles into the uh, end part of the strap, uh, almost as impressive quality wise as the watch itself. Uh, yeah, know, it was uh, you know, it's like thirty bucks, uh, but it adds you know it, I think it makes it all the more kind of fun to wear. Sure. And, and of course, I'm wearing it. This is a fun watch, of course. Um, you know, without getting into the weeds and all the other baggage that uh, that is associated with the watch now, which has perhaps been exacerbated this week, um, well, last week now, uh, with the release of a new one, Mission to Moonshine, uh, which uses uh, a moonshine timing seconds hand on, right. a, on a watch that is otherwise, I believe, the Mission to the Moon. I believe that's right. It's a Mission to the Moon with a, uh, a moonshine gold-plated Timing, Wait, plated? So. How, this is a tiny, thin little thing. That's what what gold, is there man. to plate? That that tiny little thing. What? I feel like it would be just as much material if you just stamped it out of the moonshine. I so it, it, it's also I believe I read in um in their in their fact on their on their website that it's um the the gold comes from like um like reclaimed gold like gold that's like waste product and oh. the like the the process of yeah, you know, like yeah. making a watch or, or you know making gold or whatever. So, so it's, like uh, recycled electronics that have little gold bits in them, stuff like that. Yeah, or like uh, okay. like vodka with little gold bits. And then, oh know, yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. the same. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> buying bottles of the vodka yeah. or gold schlager or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, whatever. That <laughs> Filtering out the gold. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that visual. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, so it's recycled bits of gold that's uh, along with their proprietary alloy uh, mixture, copper, and whatever else. Yeah. So it's, it's like kind of a duller gold. It looks quite nice. I, we were quite fond of the Speedmasters that have been made with this material. I sure, think, yeah. I, think, I think it looks r- quite handsome. Um, so, okay. Well, that's disappointing. It's plated. I mean, I can't I'm pretty sure it's plated. This I, has got to be like the tiniest little sliver of material. Yeah, it's not, not a lot of gold. But it's also only $30 more expensive than the If original. the whole hand had been just moonshine gold, mm-hmm. I wonder what that would have done to the price. I mean, I don't think that they make a solid gold hand, though. Like, that's not really – like, you think of their gold watches. They're always – Yeah, but I'm thinking of, like, of like – so if they have, like, a sheet of the stuff that's, like, a half a millimeter thick that they just, like, stamp out the hand of. Yeah, but – so – I've, I've literally never given this any thought until this very moment, but I imagine that that's probably not a very good material for a timing seconds hand because of the weight. The the timing seconds hand needs to be light enough for that little quartz, you know, okay. quartz powered okay. movement yeah. to drive it. The, like fourth wheel in there. Yeah. Kind of so, I, I mean, I'm obviously mm. not a watchmaker, but I imagine like there's 
there's consideration given to the weight of hands in any yeah. watch. Okay. So right. I'm, I'm guessing that that could be a reason why gold hands are kind of not really used. Like, I'm, mm. I'm trying to think of a watch that has like solid gold hands and I can't, hmm. I'm sure there are, but um, none come immediately to mind. All right. So it's a gold, it's a moonshine gold plated timing seconds hand. Yeah. Uh, which like ironically, we probably just stay parked at 12 o'clock. I think you so. Know, yeah. I 99.999% mean, of the time for all of these watches that, uh, in fact, I would wager that 90, at least 90% of these watches will just remain sealed in their packaging. I mean, frankly, as they should be, because they'll, they're legitimately rare. Yeah. Um, you know, we haven't really talked about the, you know, the, the whole like hullabaloo over this watch, but okay. it's like only available for a day, only available at for four day. locations. It's on the, on earth, yeah. by the way, in, in like yeah. Milan, Tokyo, London, and Zurich. Right. I think are the four. Yeah, that's right. Are the four. Uh, and they all have some association with gold. Yeah. Somehow. Uh, right. I still stand by. They should have done one in Fort Knox. That would be fun. Or the closest possible, like even set up like a pop-up shop yeah. to sell these. <laughs> Fort Knox. Uh, You're giving them free ideas for the next one, for the next yeah, full they, moon. Do it. I mean, yeah. and then it would have been like a hilarious combination next to, you know, Tokyo, Milan, yeah. Zurich, London, Tennessee. But maybe always have one at Fort Knox. Yeah. Like, no, like go to all the yeah. other fancy cities in the world, but just have a, you know, a, a, a waypoint out there in, in Fort Knox that yeah. can always sell you a moonshine gold moon swatch, if that's your thing. Maybe the people in charge of this stuff at Swatch have never heard of Tennessee. Um, I mean, I, that's a, that's a fight that Cat Shoulders has to, <laughs> has, to has to fight with, with the folks at, at Swatch uh, and Omega. No, that's not true because I, Omega did an event in um, uh, what's that city called? Nashville. Yeah, that's the one. Like not too long ago. Yeah, I don't know what the proximity of all this stuff is. To yeah, I'm very bad at geography. So I've been in Nashville. We did a meetup there. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, if you're listening in Tennessee, we love you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Cat's uh, listening. Cat's listening. Hi, cat. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know where Fort Knox is in relation to all this stuff, but I feel like that would have been a good tie-in. Uh, yeah, I agree. It and been, it would have kept been it just enough, like, tongue-in-cheek for the whole thing. Yeah. My favorite, um, you know, kind of like, there've, obviously there have been so many memes, you know, about this yeah. watch, and my favorite one is one that, I, I know you saw in our in our Slack as well as the 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 Sicone Sicone yes. uh, 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 the, the the guy behind that posted an image of uh, of Michael Jackson in the uh, I guess in in one of the sub dials in like the a running gold, seconds hand yeah yeah it's like a gold you know gold image of Michael picture of Michael Jackson's like moonwalk silhouette in like a gold suit yes and uh, I mean that's just very clever this is I'm here for this kind of I stuff. like these visual yeah. puns that's, yeah. that's funny. That would have been that yeah, a mission to moonwalk. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so if this is, you know, assuming maybe the first of many things that they do like this, uh, potentially, right? Uh, you know, I don't know how often we'll start to see these things. Of course, it was about on the year anniversary that they did this moonshine um thing, which has caused all kinds of I don't know if upheaval is the right word, but yeah. consternation amongst watch enthusiasts. Uh, I don't know why this watch kind of like rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, I think because of the whole like pomp around getting one mm -hmm. has become such a ridiculous thing. Yeah. Um, you know, that it's it's kind of 
irks people, uh, this kind of stuff, especially when it's like so in your face of, well, you can't have it unless you come from one of these, like what are some of the most hoity-toity cities on the planet? <laughs> right. Uh, nothing against people who live in those cities. I'm sure you're all lovely. Um, but you know, what about the people in, in Tennessee? You know? Uh, yeah, they can't, they can't get this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I can be completely unfiltered for a second here, I think this release is a little bit ridiculous and kind of sours the, um, you know, any like goodwill that was left over from last year's yeah. Moonswatch release. Do, do, like, do, so, so and you say that not because of like the literal watch itself. Like if they had done it in a way of like, we're releasing it in these cities and then like next week it's going online and there's, there's plenty of them, you know, like then would you have been as like in, incensed about the release? Well, I wouldn't describe myself as incensed, but uh, I mean, that would be better, I yeah. think. And I think that there's a possibility that that might happen. I mm -hmm. think they've certainly left the door open to like, do something, you know, whenever there's a full moon or, yeah. you know, yes. who knows. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think last year it felt kind of special to have these watches. It felt like a, uh, you know, like a fun thing. Um, and we had this promise that, you know, they'd be available online and, mm -hmm. you know, easily accessible. And it's this real kind of like moment of like democratization of, you know, luxury, if that's not putting it too, uh, you know, too highly. It's not yeah. obviously not a luxury product, but like, you, know, you can get something that says Omega Speedmaster on it for 300 bucks or whatever, yeah. uh, or less. Um, yeah, that's kind of a cool thing, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And now, like, they've just done it again <laughs> a year later yeah. in this, like, money grabby kind of way that mm -hmm. is intentionally leaving people out. And, you know, they created this, like, this whole, like, marketing thing behind it with like a teaser about what it might, what it might be and all the speculation. And, mm -hmm. um, they're just begging, you know, for, um, you know, people to be let down <laughs> by a, uh, you know, by a marketing campaign that would like seem to promise like more moon swatches for everybody. And in yeah. fact, it's far less. Which kind of cuts against the grain of the concept of this watch initially that it, we like so much. Yeah. <laughs> I know? mean, and so that's the other thing. Like I, I, I don't really like to watch so much personally. Like I kind of yeah. like in the, in the year since it's been available, I've had plenty of opportunities to like, to handle them. And like, to me, um, you know, there's like so many other ways I'd rather spend like a few hundred bucks on yeah. watch related stuff. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, any number of like actual watches I'd like to have, or like get a couple of nice straps or yeah, whatever. Get a few nice straps for that money. Yeah. It just, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like to me, I just don't see the appeal. Like if you, if you're, if you love the moon swatch and that's great, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. But like, they've taken something that was legitimately like kind of cool and kind of special. Mm -hmm. And I can feel like it's just going to turn into this annual event that will disappoint a lot of people yeah. intentionally timed by the way, to kind of like suck some of the wind out of watches and wonders, yeah. uh, which is maybe a little like inside baseball and in, in, in the watch industry. But like there's, there's definitely some strategy around, around the the timing of this yeah and all the watch media kind of waffle on about it for a couple of weeks so it gets a yeah. lot of eyeballs maybe upsets a lot of people but, but whatever a lot of people are talking about it and it gets the you know i mean i feel like this has tapped into the kind of like general cultural consciousness beyond watch enthusiasts uh, yeah by quite a bit uh, i mean we were in we were interviewed on the local news station here in New York about it because lines are still queuing up at, uh, in Times Square. Yeah. It's, um, I, I mean, I know people who are not in the watch space at all who like have like identified this watch as something that they need to get. And they've like got on, you know, eBay and bought them or StockX or they've like waited in line at Swatchers and like these are not watch people. So like it's definitely, it's a, it's a crossover yeah. uh, item for sure. 
Yeah. Well, if, if you, I, I, people like that probably aren't listening to, to this podcast and they probably know better that they can spend that money on better watch related items if they so chose to do so or go restock your bar or, you know, buy a nice steak dinner or whatever. There's, there's, there's a lot of other like kind of great uses for all, that money. All kinds of ways to spend and, money. And, yes, and, you, so. and you're, you're right. Like the watch is not, well, I mean, if you're going to spend it on something that's not like, a necessity. A necessity, uh, yeah. you know, right? Uh, like the watch is not like all that impressive, you know, in, in the, you know, I agree with you uh, in, in person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's just really this conceptually, the idea of like making something like you had mentioned broadly available that we were like, oh, this is great. And then it's like kind of caught further and further and further against that as time has gone on, which right. has been kind of frustrating to, yeah. <laughs> to see, regardless of your feelings on the, on the watch itself. So, um, so yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think either of us are clamoring to to for, to find a, a moonshine watch on eBay or StockX. No, uh, I don't have any bids in anywhere. Uh, I'm not looking <laughs> on for these one. Things. Uh, if you bought one because you genuinely like it and want to actually just wear it, that'd be pretty cool. Um, I feel bad for you if you had to spend a lot of money <laughs> on it. So hopefully you lived in one of those cities. Um, but I hope some people unwrap it and wear it and enjoy it. If they like it, instead of keeping it sealed up, thinking it's like an investment. But I mean, it will. It is. It is a short-term investment. Like there will be people who will spend. You know, there's a there's a price for this on the secondary market. My point is, you're not going to be retiring off of this. No, 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 (laughs) certainly not. But if like if you decided you wanted to like wait in line in the cold in Zurich or whatever, I don't know what the weather was like in Zurich. You know, this week, but like might have been cold. And uh, you know, if if you decide that that's worth, you know, like. 500 bucks or something in your pocket after flipping it on eBay, then I hope you get your money. I hope you get, let me get paid. Yeah. Yeah. The real, the real treasure is the experiences along the way, right? Yeah. 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 And the friends, the friends we make along the way. (laughs) Friends we make along the way. And the, uh, and the moon swatch line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I hope we're not part of the problem by talking about the, the watch for, for too long, but so we can get off of it and talk about some other stuff, uh, that that happened, uh, some other watches that, uh, that released this week. Uh, that we can talk about. I think the big one is some new releases from Seiko. Yeah. Um, so they they released uh, a new mechanical GMT uh, within the Prospects dive watch range, uh, which is a first uh, for them. So uh, this goes into kind of a Marine Master 200 style case. And there's a green dial with a green ceramic bezel. It's a black dial with a black ceramic bezel. Uh, it's a, it's a three day power reserve. Um, it is not a flyer GMT though. Uh, it's a collar GMT. So the GMT hand is independently adjustable in one hour increments, uh, not the hour hand. So, you know, it's a dive watch with a GMT hand, which I don't know, it's like uncommon type thing, but maybe unusual. Maybe it's not like the first choice for like people that actually travel. So maybe this is just kind of intention for a different person. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I've never really felt, um, like I had much of a use case for a, um, for a, uh, a, a collar GMT. Like to me, they just, um, there's a really seen that useful. I, I don't have a, uh, I've never had a job where I've needed to like keep tabs on another time zone in that, yeah. in that way. I, you know, I, I do think that I, I see a, a lot of potential use cases for a, a watch with a local jumping hour hand. Um, you know, even beyond, yes. um, 
you know, like international travel. It's just like, it's very handy. It's a handy thing to have. So yeah, I, I, I hope that there are more, opportunities you know down the line to use you know that type of movement the so-called true gmt mm-hmm. uh you know type of movement which uh, they have which they make we saw in the sharp edge gmt in the yeah. Versage collection last year which are about like the same price yeah so it's always kind of surprising that these didn't use a, a movement with that capability yeah. um, so that one i think has a like a, a date and a sub dial right. at at six o'clock and a power reserve indication um I like that watch though. I like that sharp edge GMT. I thought that was like the sharpest, wow, the sharpest sharp go. edge <laughs> watch that I that I had seen. Um, I'd still love to get one of those in here and take a look at it. Um, but at any rate, that's like the same price of this watch. Uh, now this has things like the ceramic bezel and a you know steel bracelet and uh, some of the details. Like it looks like a more kind of premium execution mm-hmm. um, of the watch as they've started to move some of these prospects divers into kind of a more premium direction. Uh, so no huge surprise there. It's a, it's a new caliber. And uh, what's it called here? It's called the 6R35 uh, with a three-day power reserve. And... The case is 12.8 millimeters thick. So relatively slim. I, I think it looks like a sharp watch. But I think if I if I you know was really compelled by this watch, I would probably just get um the non-GMT version. Yeah. Uh like the SPB 187, um, which we've reviewed before, which I think is also perfectly handsome and sharp. And if you like that style of watch, I'd probably go that route you know, over. You're like, well, I'm, I want this specifically for the GMT. Yeah, I think there are better GMT executions out there if that kind of complication is important to you. Yeah, and especially now, like we're at this point where we're seeing more and more, um, you know, like local jumping hour GMTs at this price range. Yeah. So you, you really do have options. Um, you know, there's the Miyota movement that has the local jumping hour capability. And, yeah. uh, you know, the Swatch Group brands have, uh, you know, we, we wrote about a Mito. Uh, watch this week uh, that has uh, that has has that capability of using. Um, I believe the first time we wrote about that movement was in a Amito Ocean Star that was yeah, like kind of ginormous and like this one's smaller. Uh, it's like it's a you know forty or forty one millimeter watch. So um, it's yeah. based on the the decompression diver from a few years ago. So it has that like really colorful sector dial, uh, but local jumping hour GMT. That's right. And how much is that one? Uh, that yeah, I feel like those are pretty competitively priced as well. Uh, one thousand three hundred and ten dollars. Yeah. Uh, from Mito. So yeah, I think you're right. There's there's like an expectation. This is kind of like uh, uh setting the bar. I think for this type of thing at these price points. Uh, so around thousand bucks, you can get a true jumping hour um uh, local. Mm-hmm. Uh, adjusting like flyer GMT and watches that are pretty cool and, and nice looking and, and you know, pretty well built from, from, from what we gather. Uh, this Mito has a lot of personality to it. Uh, ironically, it also has like potentially one of the most useless complications. I'm using air quotes <laughs> on the dial of like, uh, you're not going to time your decompression like how stops, to, to you calculate know? your decompression times based yeah. on the depth that you were diving to and how long you stayed at those depths, uh, which is what that is. And I, you know, let's, let's call it like it is. This is like an aesthetic consideration. It sure. looks really cool. You know, it's like that Bell and Ross thing that, that we saw a while back, like the multimeter, the multimeter. Yeah. You know, like you wouldn't use any of that kind of stuff or actually time myself, like a jet going past you. Um, yeah. But it looks 
pretty awesome. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think this is the same kind of thing. I, I think this is a pretty cool looking watch and it kind of leans into that funkiness. Um, it makes it maybe like slightly harder to read uh, some of the hands, but whatever. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot going on, but uh, <laughs> I mean, people loved that. Um, the, the diver from a few years ago, the, the ocean star decompression diver, the original, which was a limited edition. And that sold out like very fast. Yeah. Um, it was very hard to come by. And, uh, I wonder what kind of response this one will have. I believe it goes on sale. Um, I think maybe the day that this episode drops, I want to say. Mm, um, okay. So I'll be interested to see what kind of response that has when, when it's actually available for sale. Um, but that's a, you know, that's a design that's, you know, Mito's kind of proven people, uh, you know, respond to. Um, and it is, it's like, it's colorful and fun. It's a really great summer watch. They added mm-hmm. a, um, a, a, a different variant this year with, uh, more yellows and oranges uh, and a black bezel, which I think is pretty sharp. Yeah, um, yeah. still a lot of fun, and it actually might be like slightly easier to read. I think. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great looking watch. Uh, I think, and you know, yeah, that black with the kind of like warm tones on the inside. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So this one is it's it's like forty millimeters, I think, and uh, it's a little bit thicker than the Seiko at just over 13, uh, 13.5 uh, millimeters. It also has 200 meters of water resistance, so if you really need to go dive in any of these things, <laughs> I feel like they're all pretty capable at this point. I think so. Uh, so yeah, and even people that do actually dive in their watches probably aren't going like beyond 30, 40 meters in in depth. And they're using, from what I understand, like it's kind of rare to go beyond. Yeah, no, I I, I don't think that people really dive to 100 so. meters if like that's not a recreational this is beyond the recreational yeah. depth. <laughs> and uh and they're using dive computers anyway like you know this again yeah. like this is sort of a like romantic idea like of using yeah. you know watches for these purposes but like there's modern technology has largely taken <laughs> taken the place of uh the old-fashioned tools in a lot of ways but it's interesting i think the the you know taking a watch i think the seiko watch release kind of uh, opens up an interesting point of, of you know, do do I need complications like that put on watches that I kind of like for other reasons? You know, is it kind of uh, like does it did this was anybody asking for a GMT? I know we've all been kind of like asking for GMTs and everything these days, or it seems like. I mean, I can certainly see the use case for like, um, I mean, not for me personally, but for you know a GMT diver like that, yeah. like that makes a lot of sense. And you know, like Rolex has been making a watch that like kind of, I mean, it's not like a you know the the GMT Master is not a dive watch, but it's certainly it's pretty can, much like, the exact same platform. Yeah, it? <laughs> it's like it it kind of looks like a sub and can like, yeah. you know it can go it, you can dive with it like you any normal person with, can yeah. dive with. It. But like I, I get the like the use case there, but when you throw in that movement without the local jumping hour hands, that's like it becomes less compelling. You know, yeah, it just doesn't make as much yeah. make as much sense because you're you know ostensibly you're like you're 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 the one traveling to the dive, mm-hmm. right? Like most people. I would think, you know, diving on vacation or whatever, like that's when you want that local jumping hour. So Yeah, exactly. So as somebody in our Slack, in all fairness, somebody did say, um, what was it? The like the company that they work for also has offices in like Hong Kong and in something like this. So like an area that that he has a harder time just like quickly doing the math in his head. And there was also like in London, which he said was easy enough to do. Um, but then the Hong Kong. So if if it's a place like that that you don't traveling to maybe but you do 
like need to pay attention to the time there for for professional reasons or you and you also need a watch work. that goes to 200 meters and you also need a watch that goes oh in I, a marine master case look we've established that not many of us dive but it's like an aesthetic that that a lot of us enjoy and and you know like to use in like day-to-day type situations so you know I, I feel like for people like that or who have family members in other parts of the world but they don't like travel there very often I guess any other reasons that you would need to have half an eye on a different time zone, but you don't go there, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've heard all the reasons. I just, I think, uh, you know, and, and in reality for me personally, and again, this is just me, like it's not something I would ever need in a watch. Yeah. Whereas local jumping hours, like I, I do need that in a watch sometimes. Like if I, you know, it would be so. It it has been in my in my past. I don't own a watch with local jumping hours currently, but like I used to, and like it's so great to just like get off the plane and like click click click, you're there. Yeah, like, exactly. It's very yeah. easy. The, that like a just a, a straight jumping hour hand, even if there's not a, a 24 hour hand. Yeah, I think is super helpful, and even just like something as simple as a 12 hour bezel is also like super easy. To, I think, to use on the fly. I think for most people. A watch with a, a local jumping hour hand and no GMT hand is really like the best travel watch. Yeah. It's like that's kind of like the perfect domestic travel watch because yeah. like you always can you know add or subtract three. Yeah, exactly. In, yeah. in your head, <laughs> yeah. but it's nice to be able to like make that adjustment yeah. to the local time. You know when you get off the plane or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Idea. And it's easy to kind of go back and forth and, and quickly, yeah. you know. So, I so agree Omega with that. makes watches that do that. I think yeah. Ming has a yeah. watch that, that does that. Um, it's a really useful complication. I agree. We'd love to see more of that kind of stuff yeah. um, on watches that aren't placed as, you know, travel watches or anything like right. that. It's just a handy thing um, to have. Uh, and, and on that note, there was another release from Oxen Jr. Um, that, that was it's another kind of two times watch, which is kind of taking the idea of having a 12-hour bezel and moving it into the dial underneath the dial and having it be adjustable by by crown. Mm-hmm. Um, so as arguably it's adding more steps <laughs> to the 12-hour process, but it looks pretty cool. Um, yeah, it looks cool. And also, I mean, it adds more, it's more steps than having, having it just on the bezel, but it's um, it's much simpler mechanically yeah. than like a normal kind of like GMT solution, which is Oxygen Junior's thing is like yeah. very simple mechanical solutions to, uh, you know, like complex watchmaking problems. You know, like their their perpetual calendar only adds like I forget how many parts, but it's like a very small, like a surprisingly shockingly like a, small yeah, number yeah. of parts to the to their movement to make it a perpetual calendar. So. Yeah, which and and you know I think their their watch has a certain. Um, uh, unique aesthetic that they adhere to that is, is very um, like kind of raw industrial yeah. looking, which is very cool. I love that. I uh, love the, the, the style. I love the look of their watches. Yeah. Um, and in some of the other ones like they do like the day of the week with the dots and mm-hmm. yeah, they're very creative in how they come up with these things. And it's a, kind of a layer on a, it's on a different layer of the dial. Uh, so you rotate the disc with numbers on it uh, to to adjust, you know, whatever at 12, you add or subtract whatever time zone you're in. And then, then you can just kind of quickly read at a glance the, the two times just like you would have yeah. a normal 12-hour bezel. Um, obviously done in their own kind of way, which is which is pretty cool, um, yeah. I think. So They're really they're, – I feel like that brand has really kind of like over the last few years stepped it up quite a bit in terms of like their – just their output, at least that we've become aware of because they've been – they used to be kind of custom only like you had, you know, have to place an order with them and you'd create a watch, you know, to your specs basically. Yeah. But now they have these like 
ready-made watches yeah. that are less expensive and uh you know still very much in their like in their style wheelhouse they mm-hmm. all look great mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. yeah um they're they're doing a lot of interesting things yeah it's true and i think it's it's important to to, to mention if that sounded interesting to you um this one is is not one that you can customize as, as Zach said it's it's just kind of built that way um you still have to email them to like get your order in and put a deposit down and all that kind of stuff uh they do have other lines um that that you can still customize uh, as well, um, like the color of the date disc underneath the dial. You can customize you can, you can like customize everything, like to your heart's content, yeah. in really amazing ways. I'd love to do this sometime. Yeah, and, uh, and get one of these. Okay, and uh, like the annual calendars. Uh, there's some real brilliant stuff doing here, just mechanically, and then aesthetically, you can kind of make it your own and in very cool ways. Yeah. Um, so if you're not familiar with Oxen Junior, definitely go to their site and play around. Uh, they've they've got so these complications that might look unintuitive on the surface, but are actually very intuitive. They'll have like interactive. Um, components on the website where you can kind of like advance the hours and yeah, days and months. So you can like you how see how it works. Yeah. And then once you see it, you're like, oh, of course. It's very intuitive, yeah. but you kind of have to like learn how to do it once. And yeah. then it becomes very, uh, very straightforward. Yeah. I've never worn one. I don't know what they would be like in practice every single day, but I would certainly love just looking at the, at the watch every day. Cause yeah. I really like what they're doing. That's how I feel about this regulator. It's like, I, you know, it's hard to kind of look at it. At least now, because I've only had it, you know, I've had it for less than a week. So, like, I'm not used to it yet. But, yeah. you know, you look at it and, like, you don't quite know what the time is, like, at a glance. At least I don't. Um, it's fun to look at. Yeah. And uh, I'll get used to it. Just like you get used to Oxen Junior, yeah, I would exactly. guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you wrote a thing this week about, um, not to go back to Swatch, but, like, their birthday. Yeah. Uh, right. That this this year. This was before. The, this is before, this is before the all the, yeah. the the moonshine thing. <laughs> uh, just a coincidence, but yeah. you did write, you know, kind of a nice uh, uh, note and kind of tying yeah. it to, you know, yourself and uh, well, a little bit, right? There's some, some sure, yeah, some personal elements in there. Uh, as, as, like we're both kind of around the same age yeah. um, of the, of this brand. It's their fortieth anniversary, and kind of how that makes us feel. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, I think it's like, I mean. It, it's very obvious to me that um, like things from like the late eighties and nineties are like really like in style, like in fashion right now. Like, you know, we love kind of like looking back to that period, mm-hmm. at least people my age, like looking back to that period. And I think it's because, um, you know, like people of our generation are, you know, they now have like, you know, disposable time and income to like devote to like, you know, cap recapturing their youth. And like, that's mm-hmm. like swatch, like to a T like for yeah. me, like they're like the watch of my youth, even though I didn't, um, I don't remember like owning a swatch like as a kid, but they were like, I remember them kind of being everywhere. They're mm-hmm. ubiquitous. Like, yeah. um, so I don't know. It's just, it's a, it was interesting to kind of reflect on them being like, you know, like the same age as me. And, um, yeah, how it's like they're they're they will always be that throwback for me because of when I came of age and when Swatch was ubiquitous. Like they happened like in the same time. So yeah, yeah. I'm, usually when I see if I've got time and like in an airport and I pass by one of the shops, it's fun to go in and just kind of poke around at some of the because they still do a lot of really fun. Yeah, watches and releases, and there's all kinds of just colors and textures everywhere, and it's it's fun. It's just fun. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I bought a swatch at uh, you know coming back from Watches and Wonders last year at the Geneva Airport. Um, you know, just as kind of like a keepsake from the 
uh, from that week. And uh, I just, I basically just like picked one at random. Like I saw one that I liked and I was just like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take that, I'll take that one. one. And that was in the midst of Moonswatch madness. And they had, yeah. uh, you know, signs saying like, we don't have the Moonswatch. Don't ask us yeah. in French. You know? And <laughs> yeah. uh, it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I, I never wear that watch. It's literally just kind of like a, like a keepsake on my, uh, on my bedside table that I, you know, like I see it every day, but I don't need to, I don't need to wear it and to, you know, have a, you know, connection to that time and, and yeah. watch. So. Yeah. And here they are all these years later, still the, yeah, still pumping out still, that moonshine, moonshine gold plated yeah. timing seconds. Hand. Yep. Yeah. Doing, uh, doing their fun, doing their thing. Yeah. I wonder in, in like 10, 15, 20, 30 years, like people will look back on this moon swatch stuff. And, um, yeah, I really, I wonder what the impression of the swatch will be at, you know, like a generation from now, like, will will people be handing down moon swatches to their kids? They I mean, won't work. I waited in line like, in the cold in Zurich for this thing. They're not, I mean. Still sealed. Here you go. <laughs> if it's still sealed, it's going to need a new battery. And um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to track that or not. Maybe it won't be interesting at all. Yeah. It's a fun thought experiment. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you think? Let us know. Uh, we have uh, we, we saw some cool watches today and, and yesterday that we're, we're looking forward to talking to you about. Um, next week, maybe we'll do some predictions on what we hope to see, think we'll see, would like to see at Watches and Wonders, which is coming up very quickly. Yeah. Um, so we will, of course, be over there covering uh, everything uh, with the full team uh, this time, doing some videos and podcasting and all that kind of stuff. So uh, talking about it. So uh, if you have any predictions, let us know. Uh, write to us uh, to info at one and wound um, uh, or hit us up on, on Instagram and we'll include it in the podcast episode. Uh, so stay tuned for that one next week. Uh, and I think we'll also have some more details on an upcoming uh, wind up watch fair. Uh, over on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe in one of these. Maybe we'll get Nelly back on. That'd be great. The podcast. Yeah. That was yeah. fun last time. Maybe we'll see how long we can get her on to talk about watches. And uh, <laughs> She's become a watch person. Like she's, She has like, become she, a watch. Yeah. She bought a watch since that time she was on the podcast, I believe. Maybe even a couple. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, well, we'll try that. If you have any questions for Nelly, let us know as well. We'll, we'll use those to get her back on the podcast. Uh, all right, uh, thank you for tuning into this episode of the One on One Podcast. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in every week. We really appreciate you. Um, let us know if you have any questions uh, about any of the watches. Well, actually, we have, we, we've talked about all these watches that we talked about today on morningwound.com, so go to the site if you're curious for more details there. And until next week, take care. 